Good morning. It's Pastor Marsha and Pastor Tom, and we're sitting in our living room, and we're actually we're just talking and laughing um, yeah. about how comfortable we are and how much we're enjoying being here. And in this season with this lockdown, we could look at it a couple of different ways. But one of the things that we're realizing is the blessing that there is. And I don't know. I think there was a time when I wouldn't have seen the blessing, I wouldn't have recognized it, and I didn't trust God for it. Yeah, if we went back many years. Um, to where we was not tithing, we wasn't honoring the Lord with our tithing and, and offerings, um, and we were just struggling, living off of the income that we had. Um, and I was fearful to, to start giving to the church because you know, we had to provide for food and rent and utilities, but when it actually started tithing, things started turning around for the good. And now, um, I'd rather live off of the 90% that we have and with, that's being blessed by the God, by our Lord, than the 100%. And um, it's hard to explain what and why, but it just works, it works so much better. We, you know, yeah. we get many more opportunities. The Lord opens the floodgates. Yeah. So we just learn, learn to trust Him, and that's our prayer for you, that in this season, that it'll be a time where God blesses you and that you learn to trust Him with your homes, with your families, with the situation, and even with your finances. Yeah, amen. Thank you, Pastor Marsha and Pastor Tom, because that's an awesome reminder that we are blessed because God is the ultimate blessing. So right now, we're going to get ready to receive our tithes and offerings. So would you pray with me? Lord, we come before you right now, Lord, and Lord, we thank you for even the, what's going on in the world right now, Lord. You still reign because you are still God. And we can trust in you, Lord, as we give you our tithes and, and offerings, Lord, that you're going to continue to bless us in the ways that we need because that's who you are. And I pray right now, Lord, for those who are giving, that, Lord, let them know that right now they're partnering with you to reach people far from you, that they would find hope, peace, and love that can only come from you. And so, Lord, even in the midst of our circumstances, we look forward to what you're going to continue to do in the lives of your people we love you, Lord. We thank you. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. And we all said, amen. And once again, there are three ways that you can give. You can give on our New Hope Church app. You can give on our website. Or you can even mail in checks because we're still here. Pastor Sheldon is, act is actually continuing or starting a new series called Faith Refined. And last year, he took a group of people from our church to Jerusalem and actually walked down the path where Jesus walked on Palm Sunday. Let's take a look. So we are in Jerusalem. We're going to head down the Mount of Olives. And um, it is maybe 7 in the morning, not too early. But that's what's behind. These roads are, these roads are, I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's paved right now. It's kind of steep going down. You can't tell the steepness of it. Uh, but it's kind, of, it's kind of steep. Like, you got to lean back a little bit. But this is the, the way that Jesus rode down on the donkey into into Jerusalem and this is where they called out Hosanna Hosanna and they they were they were saying come save us we pray it's steep it's paved now but it wasn't paved back then it was it was dirt road and this is where we get Palm Sunday from because they laid down palm branches before he came in you know what is interesting about that is because there is you know it's modernized you're trying to visualize what was happening at that time but 
one thing is for sure, that's not an easy uh, descent because you're, you're on, well, Jesus was on a donkey coming into Jerusalem. And now because of, you know, it being paved and there's homes around that area, it's hard to visualize what was happening. But really what was taking place is Jesus fulfilling a prophecy. And when Jesus was coming into the city and the people were shouting Hosanna, which means come save us, we pray, what he came to bring was hope. That's what he came to bring. Now, 2,000 years later, he's still doing the same thing. He's still coming to bring us hope. And in this series, where we're talking about refining our faith, just think about what we're going through right now. Tell me as a believer that our faith is not being refined. But that's a choice we have to make. We can either run from it or we can say, God, refine me. Sharpen my life today. It reminds me of a story where these two acts, uh, these, these two uh, axemen, they're cutters. They, they cut down trees, these loggers. They're, they're having a contest. And John says, okay, Peter, on the sound of the horn, we're going to go for an hour, see who can cut down the most trees. And so the horn goes off, boop, and they go off into their areas. And John is just chopping away, and so is Peter. Well, after about 15 minutes, John hears that Peter stopped. And so he thought, okay, he's taking a break. I'm going to keep chopping away. And John keeps chopping away. Well, this goes on every 10 or 15 minutes. Peter takes a break. Well, after the hour is done, they tally up the scores, and John knows he, win, he won because he didn't take a break while Peter was taking breaks. But to John's surprise, Peter cut down more trees. And John was thinking, Peter, how is this even possible? You were taking breaks. You were resting. And I kept chopping away. How could you have won? Peter looked at John and he says, simple. While you were chopping away, I wasn't taking a break. I was sharpening my axe. It takes more energy to cut down a tree with a dull blade. It takes more time to cut down a tree with a dull blade. And the time it takes to sharpen a blade is with less energy and saves time. Now, if you liken that illustration to our life, life can dull us. Just with the things that are happening right now, we can become dull in life and no longer sharpened. We're no longer sharpened by life because of what is taking place. And now our lives are like dull. And so we're, we're hammering away. We're chopping away. We are swinging away. We're constantly doing our very best to make things work. But we're expending more energy, more time. And it seems like nothing is happening. Well, I pray that today as we look at what Jesus did over 2,000 years ago, that our lives would be sharpened today, that God would refine our faith. That's what was taking place when Jesus came into the city. He came into a, a, a culture where they were waiting for their Messiah. They were waiting for the King of Israel, the one who would finally rescue them. But for some of them, they could not see who Jesus truly was. And so when Jesus came in, they're wondering, well, who is this person? What is he all about? How is it that he's the Messiah? It just doesn't look right. So there were people who loved him, people who hated him, and then there were people who were skeptical about him. They all fell in different categories. 
Well, today, hopefully, as we read about Jesus coming into Jerusalem 2,000 years ago, that just as he gave them the opportunity to see life from a different perspective, that their faith was being refined, I pray that we, too, would be able to receive that even to this day, that we would receive that new life that Jesus has for us. In the book of John, chapter 12, verse 13, it tells us that they took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna, which means come save us, we pray. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed be the king of Israel. And what they were saying is come save us, we pray. Come save us from oppression, from the Roman oppression. Come save us from nations trying to take us over throughout their history. Come save us, we pray. We need food. We, need, we, need, we, have, we have necessities that are not being met. Kind of like what's happening today. Lord, come save us, we pray. There's a virus going around. Come save us, we pray. As an island, as a state, that nothing comes in. That as a county, we're protected. Come save us, Lord, we pray. We're asking him to, to save us. We're even praying that in our very own homes. Lord, save us from our family, from our children, the time we're spending together. Save me from my husband, from my wife. Like, we're in situations that we've never been in before. We're in, at home, and, and, and then things that never irritated us are slowly creeping in and now beginning to irritate us. I hear story after story of husbands and wives and children and parents, and they're battling because we've never been in a situation like this. Like, one of my grandchildren said, Papa, I can't wait to go back to school. I'm like, that's all of our prayers. We're all waiting for you guys to go back to school. I mean, even, even brushing your teeth can become a fight. It's like, honey, I'm trying to sleep. What you doing? I'm working my head. Oh, how come so loud? I'm going back to sleep. I'm trying, but you're so loud. Be quiet. I'm trying. You be quiet. You go sleep. I'm trying. But you keep brushing your teeth. Like, we've never dealt with this before. Honey, what are you doing? Well, I'm, I'm humming. Why are you humming so loud? I mean, I always hum. Yeah, but you're eating. Why are you humming while you eat? Can you not just think about the song? No, I always do this. Well, can you hum in the other room? Like, it's, it's getting that difficult. What are you doing with your teeth? What do you mean, what am I doing with my teeth? Yeah, why are you like, why are you always hitting your teeth? I don't know. I, maybe this is a habit. Well, can you like hit your teeth outside before I hit your teeth? Like, there's, there's these ongoing things that are taking place in our homes. Like, we want to get out of bed first so that we can get away from the chaos. For some of us, we're quarantined while in quarantine. Like, the bathroom is, is the safest place now. Taking a shower, it's like, yes, I'm by myself. No one bothering me. We lock the door. Some of you go into your cars. You just lock the doors, put on the AC just to get some sanity back. Some of you, you love mowing the lawn. Like, honey, I'm going to mow the lawn. You mowed the lawn yesterday. Yeah, but the grass didn't grow. You know, the photosynthesis and the grass and the, you know, the, the fertilizer and shoot up. And so the grass is longer today. So I'm going to go outside for four hours. Honey, we don't even have a yard. No, no, no. We get a small patch of grass. I cut them with scissors. But we just want to get away from the home. So we think of every opportunity. And it's very difficult because we've never experienced this before. So when Jesus comes into Jerusalem and the way he came in, the people are watching and some of them understood what was happening. That's why they said, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. There's a, a prophecy that is being fulfilled. But while Jesus is 
proclaiming the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ, even the teachers of the religious law, even people who knew about the things of God would question him. In Mark chapter 12, verses 28 and 30, or through 30, one of the teachers of religious law was standing there listening to the debate. He realized that Jesus had answered well, so he asked, of all the commandments, which is the most important? It's almost like one of those loaded questions. They, it's, it's a question that, that, it's almost like a trick question that whatever Jesus answered is going to be wrong. But Jesus replied, oh, the most important commandment? Yes, which one is the most important? Okay, here it is. Listen, O Israel, the Lord our God is the one and only Lord. So he started off with that, saying, first of all, there is only one God. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. So he gives this to the man, the, the religious scholar, and there's nothing more they could say. Why? Because Jesus gave them the way to love God. This is how he did it. He broke it into four components. And he said, you must. It means this. When he says you must, it means this is your responsibility. That no one else can do this. It's your responsibility to take care of these four areas. But the good news is that when you do your part, God will take care of his part. Ecclesiastes chapter 10 verse 10 tells us that using a dull axe requires great strength, so sharpen the blade. That's the value of wisdom. It helps you succeed. And it's not su success as in money or having more. It's about life and where we are today. You sharpen the blade. That's the value of wisdom. And here's the Here's the most brutal part of the entire story of Jesus coming in. The, the most critical part is to understand this, that Jesus has all the wisdom in the world, and even they missed it, even though he rode in the way he did, fulfilling prophecy. But we're going to look at four components, four areas that we need to sharpen daily so that our lives will be sharp enough to cut through the most difficult times so the first thing is this, and if you, if you have the church app, there's a place that you can take notes. But we want to let God sharpen our hearts. But here's our part. We will have to sharpen ourselves emotionally. Emotionally. I mean, emotions are tight right now. We're, we're all on edge. So much information is coming our way. Uh, we're, we're trying to make sense of things and being in quarantine. We're trying to figure things out, but our emotions get the best of us. And when Jesus said, love God with all your heart, what he meant was your, your inner being, the seat of your emotions. That's the heart of the soul as far as it is affected and stirred in a bad or good way. The seat of the sensibilities, affections, emotions, desires, appetites, and passion. You know, whenever you find something that is, is joyful and it fills you emotionally, that's a good thing. But here's, the, here's what's even better than just finding things that fill us emotionally. It's this. Psalm chapter 4, verse 7, tells us that you have put more joy in my heart than they have when their grain and wine abound. In other words, for the farmer who sows the seed and tills the soil and then waters the garden and then makes sure that the weeds are taken out and, and takes care of that garden so that come harvest time, 
There's enough grain. There's enough grapes for the wine. All of the work that they put in up until this point has been tedious. But now comes the joy of the harvest. And the psalmist says, that joy pales in comparison to the joy that God can fill us with. That you have put more joy in my heart than that harvest time. I cannot tell you how many people are going through some rough times all of us. And at the same time, how many people are using this time to sharpen their lives, their relationships, their families, and making necessary adjustments as our faith is being refined. Be one of those people that you're using this as an opportunity for faith to be refined, for us to sharpen our lives. That's why Proverbs 4.23 tells us to watch over your heart with all diligence, for from it flow the springs of life from our hearts that's the soul that's the that's our the inner being our emotions because once our emotions get the best of us it doesn't matter what anybody says we still won't listen because we're in a rage and we won't listen even if it's truthful god wants us to refine our faith he wants to sharpen our hearts that he would we would be sharpened emotionally. But not just emotionally. There's a second thing, that we would sharpen ourselves spiritually. That's the inner part of our being, that we're spiritual creatures because we're we're going to find ourselves getting into fights. We're going to have disagreements, arguments. And because of that, our lives are dulled. Well, we need the Spirit of God to sharpen us spiritually. The Spirit that we have is that breath of life that God gives to us. We're eternal beings. So our bodies will decay a lot quicker than our spirits will because our our spirit is eternal. That word soul, when Jesus said your soul, all your soul, that word soul means the breath of life. The soul has an essence or as an essence which differs, uh, differs from the body and is not dissolved by death because we're eternal beings. Psalm 42 verse 1 tells us, As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. And while we were in Israel, there's streams around, you know, in the desert. And, but because it's the desert and the streams are a valuable resource, when you're there and you have the opportunity to make water, you're going to do the best that you can. You're going to try your very best to get as much water as you can carry because you don't know where the next water source is. What I was using, and you, if you saw in the video, a towel over my head because it is hot. So I would dip the towel in the streams, fresh water springs, ice cold. And I would just put it over my head and it cooled me down. But that water stream, the deer would go to the water stream but couldn't hang out there. Why? Because there are predators there also. So the deer would have to wait till the predators went away to drink water. Well, sometimes that was a while because the predators would hang around there. So after a while, the deer starts to thirst so much that it is at the point of dehydration and death. So as the deer pants for the streams of water, is at the verge of death, thirsting for the necessity and what is needed to stay alive. That's how the Bible says we should thirst for the things of God. 
that we should thirst for God himself. Why? Because he's the only one that can fill us spiritually. That's why reading the Bible, getting into the word of God, doing our devotions is so incredibly important. Or doing things like this. We're connecting with God, learning together so that our spirit is filled, so that we're sharpened spiritually. It reminds me of when we were growing up. Some of you, well, maybe you still play sports. Maybe not right now because of the things that are happening. But while we were growing up, we, we would play football. And whatever sport you played, there was a thing that the coaches said that was like the best part of practice. It was called water break. Water break. We look forward to water break. And if you were an athlete that you gave your all, when the coach said water break, you ran to the faucet, the fountain. Now, if the coaches timed us during that time versus just sprints, we probably would be breaking records because we were so thirsty that we would run to the water faucet, kids. The water fountain. We didn't have no hydro flask. We didn't have bottled water, pure water from the, from the oasis of, of, of the, the fresh springs. We had county water. That's why we're so smart today. We ran to that fountain, and you wanted to be first to drink from that fountain. Because there are some guys, and if, you, if this is you, well, first of all, we forgive you, but you do not put your mouth on the fountain. There's a reason why the water shot up. Now, there were some fountains that the pressure wasn't there. So you were like on the thing. And we're watching this, and we're like, hey, there's more of us. And if you weren't first, too bad. That's probably why these things spread around, because we're sucking the faucet. But that's us running to the faucet. Why? Because we're dying of exhaustion. We're tired. We're, we're lacking energy. We need water to revive us. God says, that's the heart. That's the spirit I'm looking for. Someone who will run to me because they're that thirsty. Not because you neglect God. Not because you're not spiritually mature. But because you've developed a lifestyle that says, God, I want more of you. And he says, I want to sharpen you spiritually so that you continuously run after me. That's the kind of attitude our soul needs to have. That we're filled by his spirit. He sharpens us. And if, if he sharpens us, then we have less of a chance of our lives being ruined. That's what the book of Ephesians says. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18 tells us, don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. I pray that we would be filled with the Holy Spirit today. In fact, I want to pray for all of us and many of you who have never been filled with the Holy Spirit that he would fill you afresh wherever you are. Lord God, we pray right now for the Holy Spirit to fill us afresh especially for those who have never experienced the filling of the Holy Spirit. I pray that you would, you would come into our hearts, strengthen us, sharpen us, but fill us with your Spirit because it is the Holy Spirit that guides us unto all truth. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I pray that you would receive the Holy Spirit to sharpen yourselves emotionally, sharpen yourselves spiritually, and then the third thing is to sharpen ourselves mentally. Mentally. Yep, our brains are fried at this point. That's why Jesus said, love me with all your heart, so mind. Love me with all of your mind. You know what he's saying? 
He's saying, you can love me by the way you think. You can love me by what you put into your mind. You can love me and show me your love for me by the way you're transitioning from the way you think to what gets deposited in your, into your heart. That you're not going to copy the things that are happening in the world and worldly behaviors, but you're going to change the way you think so that you think more like me. You're sharpening your mind. You're doing something to your mind so that it becomes more like Christ. It's easy for us to just copy and watch, learn from that, and then just copy. But what Jesus said in Romans chapter, uh, what the Bible says in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, is to, his, the Bible says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what, is, what, what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. It's only when our, our mind is renewed that we're transformed. So he says, don't copy the behavior of the world. The mind means the thoughts, either good or bad. The mind has a faculty of understanding, feeling, or desiring. It's amazing how our, our mind and our heart, our emotions, are so closely related that because we feel something, we react, and now we're thinking in a certain way, and we start to make decisions based upon how we feel. And there's so much information coming our way. It's like brain overload. And because we're just mentally drained many of us have come to a place where we just don't care what is happening right now we don't care about being quarantined we don't care about being in this social distancing thing we, we could care less for some of you maybe you're at a place where you're saying i just don't care about life anymore and i want to speak to those of you who may be at that point and you have suicidal thoughts let me give you something this, you feel like this is the worst time of your life. That there's no way you could find a way out. There's no way you can provide. There's no way you're going to continue on. You just see no way out. You're, you're pressured by the things of the world. The Bible says don't be conformed to the ways, ways of the world, but change the way you think. It's all going to be in here. And here's what happens. The devil knows what you're going through, so he's going to continue to feed you negativity. He's going to darken your life. He's going to try his very best to snuff out the light that God is trying to shine. I want to I pray for you today that God would show you your future. That right now your faith is being refined and, and you will not give up. You will continue on. You will see later down the line you're going to be able to see the greater things of God. He's going to show you that and then you're going to look back years from now at this very moment when God sharpened your mind and you're able to change the way you were thinking and repent the bible says repentance is the changing of the mind that you're turning from your ways and then turning towards god and going in his direction so there's a turnaround i pray that for many of us that our minds being so bombarded with all of this information that our minds would change you know when jesus rode in on the donkey some people recognized what was happening and then there are some people who are thinking, wait, is this the, fulfilled, the fulfillment of the prophecy? And although they struggled with it, they started to change their mind. And then they started to turn to Jesus. And when they started to turn to Jesus, now their life began to turn around. When Jesus came in the way he did, there was no turning back. That one act of him riding into Jerusalem on the donkey changed everything. That was the moment that set him on the course 
to be crucified. And Jesus knew it. The prophecy of the Messiah, the chosen one, the king of all kings, would enter Jerusalem on a donkey. And because of that one act, Jesus put himself in the position to be crucified. In Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9, here was the prophecy hundreds of years later, hundreds of years before. Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey. And then watch this. This is the critical part. It's not just any donkey. On a colt. And not just a male donkey, the foal of a donkey, a young male. So the prophecy wasn't just on a donkey because that was kind of common, but on a male donkey. And, and not just a male donkey, the foal of a donkey. And here's why this is important. If you ever, and I, I did this growing up, we had donkeys, we had, uh, you know, neighbors had donkeys or, or like a pony or horses, and there were animals around, billy goats, dogs. We tried to jump on all the animals. First of all, it's hard to ride a billy goat. Very, very hard to do, so don't try it. But when you would jump on a donkey, if the donkey was a young donkey and not trained, you would instantly get kicked off. The fact that Jesus got a, a young donkey and rode into Jerusalem on that untrained donkey is already something to look at. Once he did this act and the people understood it, then they were able to receive from him. Those whose minds were filled with everything of the world had no room to understand what was happening right before their eyes. They just had no room. The question is this, has our minds become so dull that we have no room for the things of God? That there's no way we can possibly see that a life with Jesus is a life worth living for. But maybe God wants to sharpen our minds today so that we have room to understand and see what he's doing. Maybe you're trying to figure out from moment to moment, day to day, how things are going to get better. And you're trying to think that way. Jesus can sharpen our minds so that we're not dull in our thinking, but that we think sharp just like him. Jesus used his mind with 100% wisdom. 100%. That's why the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 16, for who has known the mind of the Lord that he will instruct him. But we have the mind of Christ. We have the opportunity to think like Jesus, that not only can we sharpen ourselves emotionally and spiritually, but mentally by having the mind of Christ. So if you're in a crisis and that crisis is now in your mind, give your mind to Christ because it can help us through the crisis. And not only that, the last thing, the fourth thing, is to sharpen ourselves physically. This is probably the hardest one. This is where Jesus said, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. This is the brutal part, the physical part, which means strength, your ability, the, the force that you have, your might. And this is the one area we all struggle with. The other day, you know, some time ago, I, I, I hurt my elbow. I don't know what from. As you get older... You don't know why you're injured. You just know you're injured. You wake up hurt. Like, hey, 
my leg is not working. And you're wondering what happened. You're trying to retrace, did I hit it? Did I, did I do something? No, we're sometimes just getting older. Well, because my elbow is kind of in pain, I can still do things. And of course, this is probably the best time for us as husbands to get injured. And here's why. Because normally, what do our wives say? You should go to the doctors. You know why they say that? Because they don't want to hear us crying. So they say, go to the doctors. And what, 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 what do we usually say? Nah, I'm good. I handle. Ah, I'll go check them on the website. And we try to do it that way. But right now, if you're injured, best time as husbands. Why? Because we cannot go to the doctors. It's like, honey, I would go. I would listen to you because you is one wise wife. I would go. But they're not going to take me in because this is not essential. So I just going to ice them, put some ice, put some heat, put them in some boiling water. <laughs> That's going to burn your skin. But now what we're doing is we're just trying to figure it out ourselves. So I'm thinking, I can handle this. It's not, it's not that bad. I can, I can do certain things. I can carry things. Until I tried to scoop ice cream. I'm like, I got to go get surgery because this is a big deal. This is ice cream. Now I can go with my left hand, no problem. But here's the problem. Any of you ice cream lovers, if you know about ice cream, you want the ice cream to be out of the freezer with as less time as possible because the ice cream starts to melt. And the, the, the theory behind ice cream is you want to scoop it into the bowl as fast as possible and eat it as quick as possible, but not too fast because you want to enjoy it, but you want, it, you want it to keep its density. Some of you, you mix it up and you make it all milky. Go drink milk. Give us the solid ice cream. You drink the milk. But when I thought about this and when I started scooping ice cream, I thought, what, what is this pain? What, what is there? So now, when it comes to our physical abilities, we're going to hurt. We're going to get older. We're going to come to a season where we can't do the things we used to. So when the Bible says for us to take care of ourselves physically, we're wondering, how? How do I do that? Now, for some of you, I'll just write it out this way. Some of you, you're, 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 you're doing okay. Sorry about that. I threw the thing down. So you have this life here. You, you're going from one side to the next and this is a an unhealthy life an unhealthy life this is a healthy life now we're trying to find the balance between these two because you could be on this extreme and everything is about the physical body our physique, how we look. And so we neglect the, the greater things. We sometimes neglect our family. It's like the family wants to spend time with us, but we're at the gym for 10 hours. And the family is like, oh, I need you. I'll like be by you. But you're trying to figure things out. And you're trying to balance it out. But then you can be way on this side. And you can be on the, on the unhealthy side. And so now you're trying to figure out, well, how do I balance this out? Because I want to maintain a healthy life and I don't want to be unhealthy but I don't want to go on one extreme or the other so what do I do how do I balance this out because that's the key right we want to balance between a healthy life and an unhealthy life we don't want to go too far extreme on this side and we don't want to go too far extreme on this side because something's going to give either way so how do we do that well the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians Chapter 6, verse 19. 
Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? Now, I, I'm, I'm fine with, and the Bible is not saying don't go to the gym. The Bible is not saying that you shouldn't take care of yourself. But what the Bible is saying is just think of your body as the temple of the Holy Spirit. That this is where God's Spirit dwells. Which we're not going to go on one side or the other. We're going to maintain that balance. Why? Because we don't want to go too far on either end. We don't want it to be only on this side. Unless your responsibilities, you know, you don't have a relationship or you don't have children, and maybe it's just you, and now you can, you can, you can coordinate and, and, and organize your life however you want it to. But when you have certain responsibilities and children and family, what does that look like? How do you balance that out in this time, especially in this time? And maybe for some of you, I, I see some of you, you're exercising, you're encouraging one another, but you're not going too far. You're balancing your life out in a great way. That's, that's what the Bible is saying. It's not going too far and not neglecting, but you're, you're balancing it out. And that's the hard part. It's how do you balance it out? Because the, our body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. And if you really want to know how to balance it out, pray the prayer found in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 8. And it tells us this. For physical training is of some value. It is of some value. But godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. So if you really want to find the balance, turn to God, godliness. Because that has value for all things. In other words, if we focus on God first, He's going to give us the wisdom in how to balance this out. Because we're going to have to adapt. We're going to have to figure things out in this season and beyond. And how do we do that? Well, God will help us to find a way. Some of you are encouraging one another and you're, you're, you're working with people and, and you're, you're helping them to get healthy. That's a good thing. Why? Because our bodies are a temple of the Holy Spirit. So you want to do well. Physical training is of some value. So the Bible doesn't negate exercise. It promotes it but not more than godliness, not more than your spiritual well-being. It's saying physical exercise has some value. It does, but godliness has value for all things. That's what Matthew 6.33 says. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all these things will be added unto you. So focus on God, and he'll work all these things together. It's kind of like they both go hand in hand. Because we're much more sharper when our physical body is healthy, yet at the same time, being cautious that we're not so focused on just physique because it robs us of godliness, family time, and even our spiritual health. And if you're struggling, pray that prayer, 1 Timothy 4, verse 8. Let Jesus sharpen every area of your life. He is the one who will stand in the gap between you and us and, and, between us and ruining our lives. He stands in that gap between destruction and success, between darkness and light. He's, that, he's the, the mediator that comes in between those things. And he's the one that pays the price for the things that we're supposed to pay for. I want to close with this story in what Jesus came to bring and how he stands in the gap for all of us because there is, a, there is an enemy, there is the devil who tries to steal, kill, and destroy my wife, Heidi, she loves watching uh, bull riding, PBR, professional bull riding, uh, professional bull riders. 
And I know there is uh, different, you know, rodeos that happen around, and, and we'll go and visit some, or we'll go to the Paneva Stampede, and we love going to that every, you know, every Valentine's weekend. But there are there is one in Vegas that, you know, professional bull riders, and uh, she was watching not just the bull riding, but she was also watching the bull fighters. Now, I never really paid attention to the bullfighters, and you're wondering, what are the bullfighters? The bullfighters are those guys that distract the bull when the rider gets thrown off or hits the eight-second time and jumps off. The bullfighters have a team, that they're the safety team for these bull riders. One of the guys, his name is Jesse Byrne. He's one of the guys that he risks his life so that the bull rider can be safe. Like, I really didn't pay attention to these bullfighters because you're just watching the bull rider. That's what it's all about. But if you watch these, these safety guys, these bullfighters, that in itself is another show. These guys get tossed, beaten down, and trampled upon by the bull as their job. They purposefully do that to protect the bull rider because the bull rider gets tossed. He also gets kicked. He also will go through some tumbling. What the bull fighter does is takes the eyes from the bull off of the bull rider onto himself so that that bull rider doesn't die. Here's what Jesus did. Jesus became our bullfighter. He rode in on a donkey, but he was our bullfighter. He still is. What Jesus came to bring, why he came into Jerusalem the way he did on the week that he was going to be crucified is that he knew that when he went to the cross, the devil, the devil's eyes would be off of us and would be on Jesus. And all the sins of the world would be on Jesus. Your sin and my sin would be on Jesus. And he would pay the price so that you and I would not die in our sins, but that we would be alive well for all of eternity because of what Jesus did. He's the mediator. And when he died on the cross and rose from the grave, he put sin to death so that we could have a new life in him. He wants to sharpen our faith. He wants it to be refined. He set the example and went before us so that on a day like this, we don't celebrate the day. We celebrate Jesus and who he is. In fact, this Thursday, we have a virtual Passover meal that we're going to have uh, online. If you want to join us, go to our website and just go to our Rooted and Growing page, and there you will have the information how to get connected. And you will be able to not just experience Passover meal, but you'll be able to understand at, even, at a greater depth what Jesus did week he was going 
to go to the cross. I want to pray with you today. Would you bow your heads with me? Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this day in which we celebrate our King, our Savior. Thank you, Jesus, that when you came into Jerusalem the way you did, that you were showing us that there is a way out of the life that we may be stuck in. So we thank you for showing us that our faith can be refined, that our, our minds can change, that you can sharpen us physically, emotionally, spiritually, mentally, and we receive that today. I pray for those of you who have never said yes to Jesus, that today would be your day. It's as simple as saying a prayer. I'll say it with you. You just include your heart. And here's the prayer. You can repeat these words. Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for dying on the cross and rising from the grave to give me a future and a hope. Forgive me of all my sins and make me brand new. Refine my faith and sharpen my life. In Jesus' name I pray. And we all said, well, if you said yes to Jesus, first of all, we want to congratulate you. Even if you're online, tell someone that you received Jesus or go to our app and download our app or go to the app store, download our app, a New Hope Kilo, look for that app. And in there, there's going to be a tab that says, I said yes. Click that on and it'll help you with your walk with Jesus. We also have another app called Engage. I-N-G-A-U-G-E-D. And what that does is it helps you with these four areas. And every day you just put in there a percentage of how you're feeling, how you're doing. And then you can type in one of the tabs why you feel this way. You can even put in your sleep time, your, if there's a weight tracker if you want that. But, and you can set it to an alarm every day to remind you to fill in your gauges, to, to kind of get an idea of where you are in these areas. It just helps to have a, a system in place to show how are we doing in these areas. Go ahead and download that. That's a free app for you. Uh, from us to you and I pray that as we sharpen our lives as we let God do that every single day we'll become more and more like Jesus so that when we look back on these times we will definitely see that our faith was refined let's sing our final song together let's be the let's this this be our prayer that he is the way the truth and the life he is the way maker. Amen. Can you say amen to that? Give someone a high five or a, a bump fist through online. God bless you guys. Have a wonderful day.